There's nothing worse than just sending these email blasts off or whatever and you get no response. And yeah, people are seeing them and they're not getting back, but how impactful is it when somebody sends you no back like, hey, Kyle or hey, Amy, thanks for uh, shooting this over. Appreciate you thinking of us. Right yeah. now, we don't have anybody looking in this area or whatever. I think that goes a long way into developing like a digital relationship. And I would say that's for sure. I think this industry could use commercial real estate, could use a little more hospitality. And I think that that's one thing I've taken away is how can you really provide the most amount of value and be of service. And I think that always comes down to anticipating needs. Welcome to the Performance Mindset Podcast. And I'm your host, Amy Calandrino, CEO of Beyond Commercial. After a decade of providing expert commercial real estate advice and consultation to the business owners and investors I serve, I wanted to share some of the most inspiring and influential leaders I've met along the way. The goal of this podcast is to share valuable insights from these impactful individuals, as well as business and commercial real estate trends. If you want to grow, you're tuning in to the right show. Hello, friends. It's Amy Calandrino here. I'm back with another episode of the Performance Mindset Podcast. I'm excited. Over the decade I've been in commercial real estate, I've met some impactful and influential leaders along the way. Today, I have Kyle and Sarah here. He is a recovering restaurateur and now helps startup restaurants or expanding restaurants, you know, achieve their commercial real estate goals and growth strategies. He's also a social media influencer and so many other things. Did I miss anything, Kyle? Oh, just a couple, but not yet. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for having me. Yeah. So we first met at the commercial real estate summit. Yep. For those that don't know what that is, do you want to talk a little bit about the Commercial Real Estate Influencers Summit, how you got involved, how it maybe has helped you in yeah. your growth? Absolutely. You know, I had started creating content when I was at CB and they were like, not a huge fan of it. So <laughs> once this came around, we'll, we'll leave that there. When this CREI came around, I was like, oh, now this is cool. Like, this is not just, yeah. it's not just me. You know, I was made to feel like nobody's doing this. This is not how it's done. That was the general tone of everybody who worked at that. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So it was like, you're with your people, you yeah. know, you feel like people who actually get it and want to do it. So this is going on the third year, I believe. Right. So it'll be actually yeah. your neck of the woods this year, but yes. Tahoe was awesome. Last yes. year was wild in new Orleans and just the, the, it's great to get those connections that are digital to come to be real life. Right. It, that's, that's how this is supposed to work. And it yeah. does. And, um, I'm just super stoked to be a part of that that group and Ken and everybody who's kind of like leading it is just everyone's at the same mindset. Everyone wants to push forward. We're kind of like everyone's figuring it out as they go, which I th- I find that fun. I so yeah. I love the summit. I love the whole, the whole everything that's come from it has been super exciting and cool. You know, I had the opportunity to talk to Dalee Becker mm-hmm. not too long ago on my podcast, and she talked about like when she thought about what performance mindset means to her, which is the whole premise of this podcast. She Mm -hmm. said to her, it really feels like aligning with like-minded people. And they're almost like an energy source for you to help you propel in what it is you're doing. Yeah. Thought that was like, I'm like, I might steal that for my keynote. (laughs) I thought that was so good. (laughs) Well, it's true, right? Because you're around these people and they they feed your your energy. Even if you have like a slight like insecurity about doing something and you see other folks doing it. And you're just you're just surrounded by it for a couple of days. I have no doubt that people take that, and energy is a great way to put it. And it's like you're surrounded by it. It 
it makes you feel like you can do more. And then it kind of, you know, the, the trick is to kind of keep it going, but I'm, I guarantee you a lot of people left that conference and was just like, I'm going to make this, I'm going to make that. And, and, and that momentum is what you need to get started because it, it is tough to get started and kind of fold it into your day as a, as a commercial real estate professional, but totally, totally the way to go. I think it's a, it's a habit too. Like oh, yeah. the, the consistency of whatever it is you're trying to do. Um, you know, one thing that's being chatted about right now is chat GPT and mm. how some people, maybe a lot of people in our group are going to experiment with it and find ways to deploy it in mm-hmm. what we're doing. But then those that other people might kind of mess around with it, but then yeah. put it aside later yeah. on. Yeah. You know, I heard somebody say this the other day. It's like technology is undefeated. So when something new comes up, it's just silly at this point to ignore it. It may not be perfect for you, but I think that, you know, when it comes to your performance, you know, optimizing your time is a big one, right? And if anything can help you optimize your time, I found ChatGPT to be, this morning I had a scary, I was like, this is scary how good this thing is. And it's, yes, you need to tweak it. Yes, you need to... To, to, to educate a little bit. And there's all sorts of different hacks and stuff, but anything like chat GPT or blockchain or TikTok or anything that comes up, I think it's worth looking into for anybody in any industry. Yeah, it, it, it really is. Have I, you is used there it? any particular ways that you're using chat GPT right now? Oh my God. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of times you're thinking, I know what I want to create content wise, right? but I just don't know how to say it in a way that's, you know, TikTok friendly or LinkedIn post or what have you. It has the ability to, with this little plugin that you get for Chrome to summarize a YouTube video into like a small, short paragraph. Mm. So it could be a three hour, a two hour long podcast. It'll summarize it into there. Now, if it's something that you found on YouTube that you want to talk about, you can then tell ChatGPT to turn that into a script for a video. I wow. did it before. I, Amy, I can't even tell you. It happened so fast. It happened in less than 15 seconds. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll send you the video when this is over. I'll text it to you. It's so scary. Not I scary good, but I was, it, for the first time, I was like, this is, this is the worst it's ever going to be, right? Like, right. This, is, this, is, this is kindergarten. So, yeah, it's wild. To but you still kind of have to have the idea. I mean, I have a couple of themes that alternate on Wednesday. Well, we have our Monday market update. And on a Wednesdays, one week's a podcast. The other week is like called Beyond Your Space Needs. But I definitely mm-hmm. think for like Beyond Your Space Needs, the other day I get asked by people, what's the difference between a ROFO and a ROFER? And mm-hmm. so then I asked chat GPT, like, and then yeah. it gave me the whole thing to kind of jump off of and... uh Try to say Rofo versus Rofer like five times fast and then do a YouTube video about it. It'd be great. <laughs> but that's but that's what it needs. Like like you said, you 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 kind of ask it these questions and you can tweak it back and forth. You can put it into another person's tone. Like yeah. it's really, it's really great. I think is it gonna replace like a lot of different things that we need to do? You know, no, but it certainly can help with a lot of aspects. And I think we're not even thinking of the ways that it can help us just yet. So I'm, I'm excited about it. I think you still need to have a work ethic and remain mm-hmm. curious. And because I think if you start to rely on it too heavily, then you're not going to be continually innovating. And then you're going to have technology overtaking you. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's a great point. That would be that would that would be the scary part. Not, not the speed of the AI, <laughs> the part where it's working or you're working for it would be wow. scary. <laughs> One question I want to ask is, Tell me about your hat. 
what is closed Monday? Is that like, uh, do you do a hashtag for that day or close? I just curious. Yeah. Actually. I was like, no, I'm that? so, I'm so glad that you asked. So I'm rebranding my podcast into closed Monday. It's going to call, I'm going to call it closed Monday because two reasons. One, I deal primarily with restaurants as, as you mentioned, and I was in the restaurant business for a long time and a lot of restaurants close on Monday. So I was, had been looking for a phrase mm-hmm. like that would be sort of like, like you had to be in the know to know what it meant. And then on the brokerage side, when I'm talking to these guys, you know, the three to five unit, like emerging concepts, a lot of these operators are still pretty hands-on. You know, they may not be in the kitchen, but they're, they got to go around to the stores. They're taking meetings. And every time I'm like, Hey, I would love to, you know, set you up on a demo of our platform or, or tour the space. They're like, well, we're closed Monday. So that's probably the best day to do that. So I hear closed Monday all the time. So that was, that's the name of it. I'll send you a hat. So you have, you can rock one too. Awesome. That's a great idea because I do not as much retail tenant rep. I'll usually co-broke with someone on that, mm-hmm. but I do a bit of the mixed use landlord leasing upside. So I actually did meet with an amazing group that's been around for like 15 years, like in Orlando. And they, of course, I took a meeting with them on Monday at yeah. like two o'clock. They're yeah, like, yeah. we're closed on Monday. And how I did not get it until <laughs> I got it. Yeah. There you go. Now you're in the know. You're in the club now. Now I'm in the know. I'm in the club. Yeah. Awesome. But yeah, you were talking a little bit about, I gave the intro for you, but you went from Wall Street and then into the restaurant business. And now you're, you're doing this kind of talk about the evolution of that and how you got to that spot. So my family was, and still are, my dad just retired education. They were in higher education. And, you know, so it was always impressed upon me very (laughs) Very forcefully. I've been impressed is the word I'll use. <laughs> the importance of education and getting a good job, right? Like that, right. that's everything. So my dad was like, you know, I played football and he was like, look, you're going to go to the, the best school that you can get into. I right. was like, okay, cool. So there's that. And I went, to, so I went to the small liberal arts school in Pennsylvania called Franklin and Marshall. And everybody in that school goes to Wall Street. They become a doctor or they go become an attorney. Yeah. Uh, that's basically it. So Lawyer and attorney were, attorney and doctor were definitely out. So I was like, all right, I guess I'm going to work in finance. And I went there. I started some advertising company that didn't work out. And then I went to work uh, at Morgan Stanley and eventually became Prudential Securities. And then 9-11 happened. And I was like, all right, I am not dying in this city, making 500 phone calls a day, pitching an intangible project to people who don't want it at all. You know, I'm just, right. I just couldn't wrap my head around. I'm, I'm telling them to buy a stock. They don't even know who I am. They don't know what the stock is. I just... Didn't work for me. So I went downstairs one day, walked off the job, literally got up, took my headset off, just walked out the door. And then I went down, I called my dad. I said, I'm going to culinary school. He was like 45 seconds of silence. And uh, I had been doing some research. It was going to be starting like soon. So I did that whole thing and eventually opened up my own restaurant. I worked around the city. I worked in the US Virgin Islands for a couple of years and um, came back, opened up my own restaurant. And we expanded a couple different locations, two different concepts. You know, once I got older, man, it's like it's like a sport for me. You know, it was being hands-on as an operator is a lot of work, a yeah. lot of work, particularly at that phase. And it, I couldn't do it more. And yeah. my wife was like, "You're not this. You got to find something else." So I wasn't going into any other thing that guys like in that position typically go into, like you know, food sales or software or whatever the hell it was. And right, because you were just trading headsets, you were trading yeah, a headset yeah, for exactly. something else. Right. Know? Yeah. Now it, it would have been like yeah. the same thing. Yeah. No know? interest. So yeah, the woman who had helped me helped us look for locations when we were going to expand again. 
I thought it was so cool. I'm like, she, she specialized in restaurant real estate. And then I found her afterwards. And uh, I worked with her at CB for about 18 months, just under two, maybe for two years. And um, then just kind of started to find my way. The content stuff sort of like filtered me to where I am now. So over at Zelnick, I was at Saber for a while. And now I'm over at Zelnick National doing the same stuff. It's interesting you say that it was an agent like at CB because I was working for my husband's law firm and we had like a tenant rep, you know, from CB help us with some of our decisions. And that was what really put the idea into to my head. Although when I decided I was going to launch my brokerage in 2010 and I called them, they're like, what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what is it that you're doing? Yeah. What's that? Doesn't like, sound what? Like you're using... Yeah. What are you doing? So then I talked. <laughs> One of my friends and he said, well, I'll be your broker. You're very like entrepreneurial and I'll qualify your brokerage. And he qualified my brokerage and I was like the sales associate, but I owned hundred percent of the brokerage. And then I just wow. you know, grew it over time. But it was, uh, awesome. I think CB is, is a good brand because they teach, they have like a system. And I think a system is very important for restaurants, for, for anything. And they teach these agents to go and pick up the phone. And then that's probably how, how did, you know, you may have gotten introduced to her or yeah. me introduced to the other guy as they, they teach them the right principles to like get out there and get connected with people. And I think it's, it's a cool thing. Never upset about an experience, you yeah. know, you, you, whether it worked out or didn't work out or what have you, but it, it's, um, I learned a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. I, I went from being in a restaurant to working at CBRE, you know, yeah. that was, like a big leap in terms of like a shift for me in terms of what I was working on. So, um, <laughs> I, I, no yes. different. <laughs> yeah, really incredibly, incredibly yeah. different. And I, I love the way you phrase that. It's just, it was just an opportunity to learn. And then, you know, you're able to then pivot and develop and continue to change. Like, what do you, do you think that adaptability is one, the, the most important reason for your success? Or what would you say is your most important reason for your success? You know, I never, I never really thought about it, but yeah, I think adaptability and the ability to move on quickly, you know, like you play golf, right? Yes. That's like one of the skills that golfers, like top golfers, Tiger Woods, anybody. Yes. They hit a bad shot. They got to get right back out there and hit it again. That shot didn't happen. You got to go back out and do it. I think that, you know, maybe subconsciously I dwell on a little bit more, but I think that's something that I'm always aware of is like, how can we just, okay, acknowledge what happened and just move on, like learn from this and let's just keep it moving. Because if you get stuck on something, that is just a death sentence. Yeah. It's it, not good. I, I, I see it happen too. Yeah. Uh, you, you have to, you have to move on. I mean, uh, admittedly, I had something in my life happen, which is the whole reason why this whole podcast ended up happening. And, you know, mm-hmm. I was in a spot that I needed to pivot, but then I listened to the universe and then said, okay, well, I could use this to pivot and like share this message with like other people and adjust my mindset and get back into yeah. that frame of mind. I mean, the podcast, so the podcast for you sounds like it came like also for me, it's like a way to talk about things that not only is it helping the audience, but it's helping you. Yeah. It's almost like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love I, that. I was talking too. to someone today. They're dealing with a really difficult like situation. And I said, well, one of the things, you know, I've learned recently is you got to ask questions to someone and see, Mm -hmm. I guess the organization he's talking about is dysfunctional and he wants to go in and become president and change it and all these kinds of things. And I was like, you need to talk to the organization and see if they even have an awareness. These are some of the questions that you would ask. And he's like, 
how did you pick up this like skill of like asking questions and diving in? I was like, if probably three years ago, I might've gone in like guns blazing. This is my agenda. Yeah. This is my thing. But I think one of the things with the podcast is I've learned to like ask questions. So then you figure out, okay, does the, the organization have awareness that there's even a problem? And if they don't, it's like a, almost like a drug addict or alcoholic. Yeah. If they don't have an awareness of it, you can keep dropping them off at rehab, yeah. but nothing, nothing's going to change. And like, that's a great way to put it. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. I, I have experienced that on the restaurant side. I've experienced it on the brokerage side. Like yes, sometimes people are so head down and it like, this works for us. I mean, that's, that's sort of like my whole thing when I talk about commercial real estate and particularly when it comes to the marketing pieces, like you're so head down, you're like, well, this works. Yeah. But there's another, there's another way to do it. And it's a better way. You know, like I've had this conversation with Corey a couple of times, Corey's on like, I was like talking to him and I said, if we have somebody starts tomorrow, right. This, kid, this guy's starting tomorrow. Because he's a small shop. He nice. knows every single inch of New York City. Every inch. The landlords, the tenants, what the wow. rents are, what the rents were, everything. Who's coming, who's going. And I said, but if I start tomorrow, a kid graduates Georgia Tech, wants to be in commercial real estate, wants to start as a broker for some reason. <laughs> what is he doing? You know, He's already coming to a job where he's got to make commission. And what does his day look like? And he started telling me, well, he's, I'm going to assign him to a neighbor and he's going to walk around. He's going to, okay, and then what? I was going to write it all down. I'm like, okay, write it down. Like we got to start changing how this is going to happen. Cause this kid was born with Google. Now you're telling him he's going to walk around a neighborhood with a yellow legal pad and write down potential vacancies. I think we got to start, we're going to start thinking of ways to make this a little bit more efficient for everybody. I'm a big fan of walking around neighborhoods and finding that stuff out, but yeah. maybe we introduce them to, to some other processes first or something like well, even have like a more. Slack channel or a team's channel. Yeah. Like say, These are like my insights from my tours today. Yeah. Like, or yes. where do you have conversations on this? Like, yeah, yeah at the sub, some container for it. Yeah. Agree. Yeah. So it's, um, it's one of those things where, you know, you have to have the ability to, to look at things for what they are, appreciate some of the things and, and things like chat GPT are an extreme example, but I think there's all sorts of efficiencies and new opportunities out there. We just pick your head up every once in a while. Yeah. And have like just the willingness to try it. And maybe you don't want to try it right away, like yeah. file it away. I think like this curiosity, I think is, is important to have. So Absolutely. do you, so you produce a lot of content, like wow. what is, and then you're doing deals yep. and then you have a family. Like what is your, like your typical day look like? I know it's probably not typical, but do you have like maybe some <laughs> bookends or something to kind of like anchor you? Well, thankfully. Yeah. So I am. So when it comes to like performance, I need to work out every day. I need, yeah. so I wake up super early. I wake up about four forty-five in the morning. I like, Puts around and do nothing for like 15 minutes, just kind of like figure out what's going on. And then I meditate, one of the first things I do, and then I go work out. I have to have like that piece. And I, you know, try to get to my home desk or wherever I'm going to be starting my day that day by like 7 38 o'clock. And okay. I just have figured out a couple of years ago, a guy had taught me this thing called the axe of freedom, like AXE, axe of freedom, like an axe. And okay. it was like, I was complaining to him for that exact reason, you know, content, family, dog, you know, all these things. How are we going to get deals done? And he's like, you got to do the acts of freedom. And he was just like, for three days, write down everything that you do. Every single thing that you do. Shower, workout, took the dog for a walk. Now find out you're going to see where you're wasting time. He's going to be, you might even have to do three days. By the time you get through one day, you're going to be like, and then what can you delegate and what can you outsource and what can you, you know, how can you better optimize that time? Then all of a sudden, these huge pockets opened up for me. Wow. So I have found that I'm more like analytical in the morning 
So any kind of deal stuff, I love getting it out of the way and putting it on. Like I always say, like I'm putting it on everybody's plate super early. So now they have to react instead of me having to react Mm -hmm. super early. So then I go right into content creation mode. And then like right after lunch is all again, back to meetings and deal making stuff. And then five to six o'clock will be any kind of content cleanup type of thing. It's not perfect. Not definitely not perfect. You know, sometimes in the middle of a podcast, a dog will come down here and bark or something. And it's like, will ruin your day. Or like the phone is ringing and like Apple does that thing where your phone, your TVs, uh, your laptop is ringing with your phone and it becomes like a whole mess. But that's always my goal to be, have it set up like that. And then dinner time, six, six thirty. Yeah. Wow. I, I think that I need to look at that. I, I, for a while I was using a system called toggle. And it actually links in with Salesforce too. And I thought about doing it because then I can do a file for every deal that I'm doing and then log the time that I'm putting in on each deal. Mm -hmm. And I haven't done it yet. I really do need to do it. Like, you know, sometimes changing is hard. You have an idea in your head, you have the willingness to do it, but then are you going to do it? Like, I think a system like that or just writing it down is a good way to bring awareness to it. In Toggle, I actually kept a file for each person on my team. And I was able to look back on Friday, like, okay, did I actually talk to like everybody in my, and it was a little tedious, but I had a phone app and then on the computer, Uh, but there's like different ways of like doing it, but it does bring, I I haven't done that practice in a while. And I think I need to kind of bring that back. So this is separate from sales, Salesforce you use for your CRM, obviously. Yes. And then toggle like works with that. It will work with that. I have not plugged the two together. So a few years ago, I got like an entrepreneur certificate, which is kind of like a mini MBA. One of the suggestions from another entrepreneur was tracking your time, just like you're talking about. And one of them mentioned toggle because then you could say, hey, I'm working on marketing from 10, 11, 10 you know, 10, 11 a.m. to, you know, 12, 17 p.m. And then you could look back and then it will recategorize all those things, create pie charts and wow, all those kinds of things. Yeah, I use, um, I'm, I, I've been using Notion for a long time, which mm. I really like, but I just switched to, or I'm still using Notion for like content organization and stuff, but ClickUp, I'm a big fan of ClickUp. Which, Allison, what is it? ClickUp. ClickUp. Oh, yes. Allison Weiss suggested to me, and I, anything that comes out of her mouth, I try to write down and see if it works for me because she's so on it and organized and smart. I'm like, I got to steal some of this. Well, you got to surround yourself with people who are smarter than you. Totally. And that's the energy source. You're plugging into the... I'm so there stealing that. From yeah. Like, oh, that was good. I was yeah. like... Yeah. And that, that rings true for me too, especially like with meditation and exercise, energy is everything. Yeah. And then how do you rein it in or, or like, because you, you, you have to maintain these different blocks so that you still keep on top of your deals where you're still doing content. Do you have like, you just basically have these buckets and time blocks is how you do it for the most part. Yeah, I try. And I also try to go with another thing I'm a, I'm a big fan of is going with the momentum. Yeah. So sometimes if I'm like really digging into a new market, like I do most of my work is national. So if I have to dig into Orlando, and I have, yeah. okay, I'm going to work on, you know, I'm going to work on some site selection stuff from 12 to one, but I'm really getting into it. I'm really understanding it. I don't, I can't stop at one. I'm just going to move something around because I'm like, all right, I'm really, this is what I feel. I feel like doing it. You know, sometimes you don't feel like doing it and you have to do it and you just kind of trudge along and you make it happen. But when you feel like doing it and you, you're in that zone, I don't take myself out of it either. So I know yeah. it's like kind of contradictory, but like you have to. I feel like I have to go there. So like if I'm in the content creation mode and I feel like I can make a couple of videos and if I could crank out 10 videos and just keep them on my phone, great. I'll, I'll do that. Even if it bumps in, someone's not bumping into something like this or like something yeah. that somebody else is waiting for me. 
Um, but yeah, I, I'm a big believer in, in that momentum energy. Like you said, it's a big thing. Yeah, this is the first week where I actually did like a lot of back to back to back and I piled them up together because I'm getting ready to finally take some much needed time off like you, <laughs> you yeah, did not yeah. too long ago. I, you know, it, sometimes it gets to where you, you got to take some time off and you got to like unplug. I mean, even you do work from home a lot. Um, Thursdays and Fridays, I tend to. And yeah. I actually usually more so record my podcast earlier in the week because actually Thursday's my golf day. Oh, mm-hmm. did you play golf today? I did not. Oh, man. oh, it's our invitational. So I'm in a nine hole ladies group and all the other nine hole ladies groups in the area. We all come together and they have like these invitationals yep. and we have like this theme and it's really cool. I mean, I was just asleep at the wheel on. I missed the cutoff to go. Oh. Okay, so. And, those and they're like, hey, there's a wait list. You can't do the invitational. And I'm like, you know what? I'm leaving the Thursday after to go on vacation. Nice. Probably not the end of the world. So, right. Yeah. Those, those clubs, I know that they're harsh. They're harsh for that. And plus, you had the the golf show was in Orlando recently, wasn't it? Well, the LIV. No, the um, like the the P, like I don't know if it's PGA or whatever the big sort of like conference where they have in Orlando. I think it was like two or three weeks ago. Oh, I think they did. And then this week, although this is going to air later. Because I'm bi-weekly, so it's going to be a little bit out getting ahead in content. But we just are having the Bay Hill Invitational, which oh, I yeah. love to go to. It, it, it's If you've never been to Bay Hill in Orlando, it's really a treasure. It's super old school. Oh, Arnold yeah. Palmer built it in the 1960s. Oh, wow. And they have a little lodge there. And they have this whole brand behind. It's it's, it's so cool. I, I love it. Like if I was to ever, I live north of Orlando right now. And that's more southern. Mm-hmm. Um, Orlando, it's closer to people. No restaurant row and yep. all those kinds of things. It, it, it's it's really cool. If I was ever to move back out of the area that I'm in, I'd probably go live in Bay Hell because it just has this whole like mm. energy and it's it's really cool. So there you go with that energy again. Oh, I guess that's the theme, right? Although I'm in a pretty cool, cool spot right now. We have I live in a neighborhood with about a hundred houses and we're all like 1970s, 1980s, cool little single family ranch houses. Nice. But it's a really wooded area and really cool people, and we have so many kids. This is like the fourth, fifth generation of people to live here. And so the um, neighbors that bought the very first house here still live here. And we all get together for like different holidays and different things great. together. It, it's cool. really cool. But there's so many kids my kids age. I have a soon to be two year old and a three year old. So oh wow. Yeah. The and ladies in my golf I should be asking you like, how you figured out how you that? make it all happen. I'm actually asking you how you make it all happen with two two little ones. I have to say, I have to say no a lot, you know, except for the things like I really, I have to pick and choose what my priorities are. Like right, right. now, my, I'm trying to learn as much as I, I can and connect with other people. And I'm at a state right now too, where I want to be very strategic about the clients that I represent and make yeah. sure they're on brand with me, because I feel like I have a much better idea of like who, who I am and who I work best with, which coachable yeah. goes back to the performance mindset. I think someone who has a perform has that coachability mm-hmm. and would be my best kind of client because I, I know what I'm doing. I can lead you up the mountain. I mean, yeah. like you, if you're, you're going to go to Mount Everest, aren't you going to want to have a Sherpa help yeah. to take you up the mountain so you don't die? 
<laughs> that's a great analogy too. I always use I always use the analogy. That's I'm I'm stealing that. You can steal the energy one from Dalia, but I'm stealing that one because I always use the thing like, hey, if your knee really hurts, you're not going to just any doctor. You're gonna go to an orthopedist, right? right? Like, but I like right. the Sherpa. The Sherpa one's better. There you go. I can the thank t-shirt. Anthony Inarino. He is sales gravy is Jeb Blunt. Anthony Inarino, he has a sales blog. He has a number of different, really good, more consultative sales, the kind of work that we do that's more like value add, yep. not transactional. But he uses that analogy a lot. I mean, because at the end of the day, uh, I mean, I had somebody just the other day that I had a qualifying conversation with. And it's like, my goal is to help business owners cross the bridge to investor class whenever possible. Mm-hmm. Generally, in your line of work, it doesn't make as much sense with restaurants, yeah. you no. know, because of their leasing. But in the case of office and industrial, if you're a manufacturing business, nine times out of 10, yeah. that's a very saleable business. You're going to want to own the real estate because you've created two buckets of money and you've really yep. created some wealth for your client. And that's something, okay. I, the guy from CB was great for putting the idea in my head. Mm-hmm. A lot of times though, those guys and gals and are calling people and they just want to keep them renewing their leases. Yeah. Right. It's this whole thing, but there's no stop in like, where's your business going? Yeah. Does it make sense to maybe buy? So then I was able to, in 2019, buy my first building, sell it, now I bought two buildings and so nice. it's kind of cool, but nobody ever took me through those strategic yeah. discussions. You, you did it yourself and, and there's probably, that's a huge opportunity, right? Because if there's, it's like that, that Sherpa mentality is you just have to get somebody who's open-minded. They don't, they don't see it either. Cause I know that feeling of being head down in your business. I mean, same in our business. Yeah. Like we were talking about earlier. You're like, Oh wow, I never thought of that. And somebody who's in it every day and this is their goal. I mean, that's, that's why I also start like a lot of my, when I meet with these groups that have multiple units and they're mm. successful and they're like, well, where do you think we should, what do you, what do you think makes the most sense next? My first question beyond like, you know, supply chain, can you get stuff there? You know, what are your guys' roles going to be, et cetera, is how do you guys want this business to end? Yeah. Because that's, to me, drives every other decision. Do you want to build it to 10 units and franchise it? Do you want to build it to 100 units and sell it? Do you want to work these five forever? You know, every one of those things, there are little nuancy stuff. Like maybe if you just, you're going to be in this location forever and the landlord loves you asking if you can buy it. You know, that's, that's a, yeah, I think that's important. I think that's a value. That's the value that, that we add there. It's just a matter of, you know, the, your vibe attracts your tribe kind of thing is another phrase that I love. Mm. I think once you start working with those people and I think social media is a great way to put it out there, who you are, it becomes easier. It's interesting. You say that though, too, having where I worked in business law before, before this. And so I saw a lot of small businesses and I saw a lot of them make not so great lease decisions as well, which inspired a lot of what I do now today. However, I think when you are able to have the conversation, okay, where is your business? You think it's going to go? Not that it can't, it can change. Like you can make a plan today and it can change, but best case scenario, based on what you know, now, where do you, where do you want to go with your restaurant? Yeah. It's an important conversation to have because what if they are, they just want to have, they want to be the best mom and pop like Italian restaurant yeah. in town. Yeah. The nonis and papas or whatever. <laughs> and, yeah. and they're going to run it. And so then maybe if that's what you're wanting to do, then maybe that does make sense to buy yeah. versus someone who's looking to quickly scale. So, also, like your growth plan. Like I'm all about, I want to latch onto groups that are looking to grow. So I'm not yeah. looking for one-off commission deals just to make money and get you into the, the next 2,500 square foot space I can find. I, right. I love that process of taking you on that journey, but 
you know, if you want to open up a Michelin star restaurant, you're not opening up 10 of them. You're opening up probably one. So let's right. go find that right location that, that maybe you can buy it or, or, you know, we find a tremendous, like unique opportunity to lease. But yeah, I think that that's why that relationship and that understanding between the client and, and the advisor broker is, is so important. There, there's definitely a difference. And so that kind of brings me to like, what's one of the best lessons that you learned being in the restaurant industry that now kind of, I guess, leads you through where you're going today in, in your brokerage packet, brokerage practice? <laughs> yeah. You know, I would have to say hospitality. Yeah. You know, I'm a big Danny Meyer person. I love, you know, I was a chef cooking something to me. And I think Anthony Bourdain says this, there was like, hey, it's very intimate and personal, right? Like you just poured, if you're doing it right and, you know, you're not just whipping something up for dinner or like meal prepping or something, but you're putting your emotions into a plate and you're, and you're giving it to somebody, right? And that's a highly uh, personal thing. And, and there's a lot that goes to it, but the hospitality part is, you know, what can I do for you? Like how else, you know, you just, you're, you you want to work with me and, and working with brokers as well, hospitality wise. Mm you know, like respond to the email, like, Hey, thanks for sending. It's not a great fit for us, but keep this in mind for something else. Yes. Because that's what you would want somebody to do to you. There's nothing worse than just sending these email blasts off or whatever. And you get no response and yeah, people are seeing them and they're not getting back. But how impactful is when somebody sends you no back, like, Hey, Kyle or Amy, thanks for uh, shooting this over. Appreciate you thinking of us right now. We don't have anybody looking in this area or whatever. I think that goes a long way into developing like a digital relationship. And I would say that's for sure. I think this industry could use commercial real estate, could use a little more hospitality. And I think that that's one thing I've taken away is how can you really provide the most amount of value and be of service? And I think that always comes down to anticipating needs. Well, even if somebody is applying to to work at your restaurant or at your brokerage or otherwise, you know, giving people a yay or an A, or just yep. like you're talking about brokers who are pitching their property, we had... Um, a fast casual Indian restaurant wants to go into a former farm town. <laughs> like that's kind of yeah. like up and coming, but yeah. I'm like, mm, mm. I don't know that that's going to be like the best, like bit in vibe. Yeah. You may want to be in a more like densely populated area with, with a younger, more innovative, like clientele. Like, cause I think it just, it doesn't fit like as much. Yeah. So I think just giving people the transparency of that. If you knew someone just starting a restaurant, because you counsel these people all day, every day, all is day. there any particular advice that you give to them first and foremost? You know, I think it depends. Like for startup groups, I don't do too much, too much startup, but like for younger restaurants, it's always focus on your employees. Focus on that your employees because the groups I'm working with want to open up multiple locations. Mm-hmm. And if you're taking care of your employees the right way, particularly now there's a lot of talk about how mm-hmm. restaurant workers are paid and tipping and benefits and all that stuff. It's really taking the time to understand because it used to just be put a sign out, line cook, $13 an hour, 40 hours a week. And that was it. That's not, it's not enough anymore. Like what else are you doing? Like what else are you, do you have a, a mission attached to, to, to what, to the concept that they can be a part of? You know, do you give back in some way? Do you offer benefits? Do you offer transit checks? We're big around here. Like it's um, like uh, reimbursements for your travel expenses kind yeah. of things, parking. So, you know, there's a lot of a lot of things like that. But for too long, I think restaurant folks were taken advantage of, staff were taken advantage of. And we saw the fallout of it is now the re- the power had shifted to the employee side. Right. So 
it's and rightfully so. I mean, it, it took it's unfortunate. It took like a worldwide disaster to to have have that really brought to light. But I always say, make sure you're taking care of your employees because that's how you're going to farm your your growth. You're going to you know that that head server is going to become your manager at this store. That manager is going to move on here. They're going to train the person behind them. And it's just, it's such a big piece. And it, it got so overlooked by a lot of groups for a long time, but the ones that do it right, you don't hear them complaining about labor problems. Those, those people aren't leaving. I think you invest in your people totally. for sure. And I think that it creates a more sustainable mo- model. And I, I've seen that in, in any kind of retail brands I, right. I represented that they're able to even sometimes go to, a managing partner type of philosophy for launching the next, you know, locations. It, it you're not having to deal with like the turnover and oh, the, yeah. the other issues. And also, I think there's a certain part of it that you can sleep well at night knowing that oh. you're taking care of your people. Yeah, right. Exactly. And there's so much that has to, you know, old school restaurants when there was actually cash transactions, it was a big thing. Like the owner had to be there all the time. I got to make sure you know no one's stealing from me and things like that. Mm-hmm. But it, 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 to me, that's just a lack of training, a lack of respect. And I think the leadership training of those employees is important, empowering them to make decisions that you can't make while you're there. And if mm-hmm. you did a good job training them and letting the leash out a little bit and letting them you know, make that decision, and maybe they'll make the wrong decision, but restaurant success is not defined by making always making the right decision. It's like, how do you mitigate those little things that go wrong, customer complaints, you know, issues with a vendor, issues with some sort of yeah. customer in, in-house that had a slip and fall or something. It's empowering them to to be you in that situation or better yet, probably in a lot of cases, be them, which is why you hired them. So yeah, I'm a big believer in really empowering employees to make those decisions and helping them feel your growth. Well, I think if you, again, you invest in them, they're going to invest in you and they're going to yeah. be your best advocate out in out in the field like yeah whatever they're doing oh. whether they're interacting with with guests at the restaurant and or otherwise out in the community yeah and i'm just for the the marketing piece alone like feature them in your content mm-hmm. i love the idea of like a restaurant reality show on instagram or tiktok these short form videos where you get to know the bartender you get to know the cook you get mm-hmm. to know the manager you get to know the server and then when people come in it's that digital hospitality connection of like Hey, I just saw you were in Florida. Or hey, I just saw you guys were playing golf the other day. I play golf. I love coming here. It's you guys still have that special. You know, it just it fuels the relationship. And I, I think it's important. Well, and seeing behind the curtain, like what yeah. what's what's there. And then you know I mean, I think there was a shift even before the pandemic for more craft artisanal experiences in their life. It goes from travel to eating out to to otherwise, I mean, even my brand, it's more of a craft boutique, you know, brand. Mm-hmm. And so I think that if you can then articulate what's part of that, I, I, it furthers that. Oh, and, yeah. and there's a consumption for that. It's going to help that that restaurant to be more successful. I think it's a, it's a superpower. If you can be vulnerable to the extent that you're going to show like, hey, this is our kitchen. You know, this is what yeah. it looks like. It may not be the, the best looking kitchen, you know, so... <laughs> But like, if you can be and show like, hey, this is how we produce things out of here, you know, as long as it's clean, obviously, but that is a superpower for sure. And I think on the brokerage side, I think it's a tremendous advantage for the smaller firms, like is to, to be able to say what you want to say, to get your messaging out, to pivot your direction to where you're going with your marketing or even your business in general. It's a huge advantage in this environment. Yeah. 
Wow. I didn't think of it that way, but I think it is a superpower. And for a restaurant too, if you see a restaurant showing you behind the scenes too, I think there's a certain level of comfort. Oh yeah. A restaurant can't do that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's, that's my thing too. It's always like with the bathrooms, I'm big on like restaurant bathrooms. People make fun of me, but like, that's what you're letting us see. You know, I'm coming, people are coming in here. Like, what does it look like where, where you're not letting us see anything? You know, it's usually not a good indicator. Yeah. Well, side note. Well, is there anything else you want to talk about? We can talk about any books that inspired you or events. If you um, have anything or anything else you want to talk about. For the real estate side or for the restaurant side? Either side. I think in terms of inspiration, I'm inspired by the small businesses every day, small yeah. restaurants every day, because yeah. the more you look at these cities going through like revitalization and new developments, you know, there's a lot of times hesitancy by the bigger brands to come into an expanding part of, you know, around here, like Jersey City is a great example. So it, all, it was a dump for a while. New Rochelle in Westchester County, just north of the city. That growth is fueled by these people taking out money from their home equity or taking a loan yeah. and taking a shot and maybe, you know, not in such a great neighborhood until things turn around. I mean, it's a tremendous amount of, of bravery. Mm-hmm. And I, I just hope that I can be with those groups and help them to the extent that, that I can, you know, on the restaurant side for sure. And I just think it's most people who've never been in that situ- situation don't understand the challenges of providing for your staff and yeah. providing for your family. Yeah. It's a tremendously stressful situation, you know, because the restaurant isn't your 15 employees. They're married. They have kids. They have places they want to go, school classes they want to pay for. They have, you know... It's a tremendous responsibility and it's not easy. And, and they're banging down the doors to open places because they want the opportunity and, and uh-huh. the rents they can afford in these, these sort of like emerging markets. But it's definitely inspiring to see them, see them succeed and even just take the shot, to be honest. One thing I'd say to that is I, I 100% agree with you. I, I feel this great sense of respect because it does take an incredible amount of courage. And I think too, that was a huge part of why I got into commercial real estate is when I would see people not make the right decision and then they're working behind the counter Mm. so that they could then pay the rent and they're drawing from their kids' colleges and stuff. And so, because they didn't align themselves with a proper advisor to tell them the good and the bad and the ugly, and they were with someone transactional. It's just like, let me sell you on something that I'm selling. And it didn't really make sense. And So I think that people don't realize when it's a small business that everything's on the line. And then one thing I think that's worth saying, and I I keep saying it over and over on social media, is let's have some empathy for these restaurants. I I think people are too quick to be keyboard warriors. And that Google review goes out there forever. And I thankfully yesterday, I, I had a couple of people that have posted unfounded fake you know, one-star reviews against my company. Mm. And uh, a fellow business owner saw the other day that I'm hiring more people. And I think she decided I'm going to investigate like Amy's company. And she like went and posted like this amazing review to like counteract that. But I think these people that go out and give people one-star reviews and all these different things, they don't realize the impact that it has on that small business. And it's not easy. No, it's not easy. And too many restaurants in particular don't respond. You know, I think it is a, and I completely understand that maybe the person who runs the restaurant or who would be in a position to respond to that is they don't want to be on video. They're not comfortable. They're afraid how they look all those normal things that everybody feels about social media, but 
somebody from your organization, you really want to put it back on that person is can say, Hey guys, we got this one-star review yesterday from Sally. She said that the pizza was cold when she got it. Hey Sally, I just want to let you know, next time you come in, ask for me, I'll be here. That certainly was not our intent. You know, you've now flipped it. Now you just look like the superhero because nobody expects your pizza to be whatever. And too many restaurant owners would be like, Oh, well, she probably let it sit in the car or it's not our fault that it was cold. And no, no, no. you have an actual complaint here. Right. You got to take it for what it is. Yeah. Respond to it and just flip it. And now you're the hero. Yeah. And that, that's, it's, it's, it's something that you have to do. And it's, it is scary though, how one person can, I mean, I do it. If I look and it says, oh, okay, I'm not going. We got three one-star reviews in a row. I'm not going. Well, and pro tip, if you respond to a Google review, Within 24 hours, it boosts, it does give you superpower. Like it helps <laughs> your Google algorithm and your search capabilities and mm. it, it helps the whole thing. And so my company have a policy that we have to respond within like 24 hours. And if I find out that you didn't, you are, I will give you a talking to. And so mm. that was why I actually knew that that small business owner responded last night because- wow. They responded within 11 hours of the person putting it on there. And I was like, oh, wow. thank you for responding within 24 yeah. hours. Like I asked you to do that's great. And uh, keeping an eye on that. And then even if you're a one-star review, you just respond. So, yeah. but that's a pro tip for any of your restaurant owners. That's like great. if they respond within 24 hours, it will really help them. So, that's amazing. I did not know that. I do know that I did recently learn that optimizing Google maps, even for commercial mm-hmm. real estate brokerages is super important. Like there's like a little SEO hack you can do for that. That's super easy to set up that if you look at it, you can look at your other brokerages and in, in your market, they're probably not doing it. You can see how they have it set up and you will rank very quickly. And then that's will have to talk offline because yeah. I like to share, but not we don't one. share everything. <laughs> yeah, I'll send it to you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We're not giving it all uh, away. Well, here. how do people, I'm just kidding. If you did share it here, but like, you know. Uh, but let them reach out to you and ask you. So yeah, exactly. There we go. And how do they reach out to you, find you? Is Instagram usually the best way to reach out or? Yeah, probably Instagram or email is the best way. I have it all in my in my Instagram bio. Yeah, it's just the way all those conversations are happening. So um, yeah, at Kyle and Sarah on Instagram or TikTok, LinkedIn, any one of those, any one of those ways. So yeah, I'd love to connect with anybody. I love, you know, these, I always think of these conversations, whether it's a podcast or even just a regular conversation you know, I use them as content, yeah. you know, like it's, I can record those conversations. So I love talking to anybody who wants to talk business or commercial real estate or meditation. Well, and if you want my team, we can also send you the file from today. If there's anything oh, great. you want to do, so I'm happy. Yeah, to that'd be so great. Just let me know. So thank you again, friends, for tuning in to the Performance Mindset Podcast. And I look forward to having you tune into the next episode and be sure to like subscribe share download all the different things that you can do so that we can continue to bring this to you